0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Okay, it is Thursday, I believe, Thursday, the 14th of December, Anno Domini, 2023. Wow, Uh, what is it, 10 days, 11 days to Christmas now? Have you got your shopping done, folks? Have you got the old uh, chestnuts roasting? over an open fire it's Jack Frost nipping at your nose you know as the song goes not with me it's not anyway too much to be done here on the old TNT the good ship TNT not even thinking about Christmas although I must admit I'm not gonna lie I'm looking forward to taking a week off and finishing next Friday and I'll be back on New Year's Day I think it will so what a better way to start the new year off than with little good old Rick Munn the crazy Irishman so All being well, I'm looking forward to that week off, Uh, and if we're running on Year's Day, I shall be here, I shall be at my station, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. We'll keep you updated with our programming over the festive period. Uh, This hour coming up, I'm going to be speaking with Gemma again. Great story uh, coming in from the Far East, I suppose, uh, to do with Aviva and to do with, um, you know, White male privilege, again, which seems to be the big thing. This is something else that was brought up yesterday at a press conference uh, by Ben Scallon from Grip Media in Ireland, talking to Norma Foley, the so-called education minister over in uh, the Republic of Ireland, uh, talking about the new curriculum, a draft proposal which was brought in to say that people should use their privileged status to help others. And then they noted in that privileged status definition, for example, a white male Irishman. And when they were pushed on this, she said, well, you know, it could apply to anybody at any time using their privileged status. So let me ask the question, should there be another draft written up to say that it could be a black female Nigerian, for example, because in Ireland, there's black females in housing, and that are getting benefits that white male Irish people don't have because they're living on the streets. So yeah, I understand that if you're in a privileged position, or you're higher up the rungs of the ladder on the societal scale than others then by all means reach down and help the, give a helping hand to those people who are a little bit further down than you are but don't just throw out the white male privilege nonsense again Uh, because let me tell you this i know a lot of white male irish men and believe you me they're far from privileged they're struggling at the minute uh, and i can't go into details as per right now but yeah some of them are doing very well but some of them most certainly are not. So we're going to cover that off uh, with Gemma. Also, Karen Hunt is beaming in from Los Angeles uh, at an ungodly hour of the morning here. She wants to talk to me as well, get one more session in with Karen just before Christmas. She's a fantastic writer, uh, Karen K.H. Mezick, a.k.a. Karen Hunt. She's going to be joining me again at around 20 past the hour. Uh, Just looking this morning, uh, Malcolm Roberts has put up a post. Uh, He's been on a walkabout. I think yours is called a walk, a walkabout. He's been on a walkabout around about, uh, southern Brisbane. So uh, there's a video that surfaced online about a tent city that had sprang up in and around Brisbane. So he said, after seeing a video of the tents, I went to South Brisbane. I took the time to go to the riverbank and talk to the people that are now living there in tents. Mick, who's been homeless for seven years, told me he's never seen the amount of people on the street as he has in the last 12 months. And once people get onto the street, they then fall into an endless cycle involving drugs, violence, and no hope of accessing essential services. Uh, This is the reality of housing and economic crisis. Government is putting this country through, and it's worth noting that a lot of the people living rough on those streets in tents in South Brisbane are white males, okay? There's no privilege for those men there. There's no privilege afforded to them at all. They're living on the streets, Uh, you know, listen, we need to get this concept of uh, you know, certain groups falling into certain privileged categories. Any one of us, any one of us can fall on hard times at any time. And the color of your skin or your gender should not factor into that. If someone needs help, they should be helped. Uh, they shouldn't be uh, vilified because of their skin color or because of their gender. So strangely enough, uh, Malcolm was out uh, testing this one out for himself and seeing what was happening on the ground. And actually... As we get into the story with Gemma, uh, just in a minute or two, there was another uh, one that I'd highlighted here, completely unrelated, but a Boston mayor, the mayor of Boston in New York, Michelle Wu, planned a no-white holiday party for councillors. And her assistant actually sent the group email out to everyone on the email subscription list rather than a select few, and it basically said that if you're white, you're not welcome. We want to have a festive celebration, and we want to keep it to people of color. We don't want any whites there. So again, you know, this whole business of racism and the story uh, was published uh, yes, no, yeah, yesterday uh, in Mail Online. Boston Mayor Michelle Wu plans a no-white holiday for councillors The he accidentally sent the group email invite meant that only for elected people of color. So don't talk to me about white people being racist. Of course they are. You know racism is not uh, you know limited to any one particular group of people there are black racists there are white racists there are hispanic racists there are chinese racists there are asian racists you know to, to, to finger racists as being predominantly right is insane it's just completely insane but anyway uh, that leads into what we're going to talk about with Gemma. So we're going to take a brief pause welcome her back on the stage and see what she has to say here on tnt radio don't go away it's
0: the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. vilifying mago It's just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: So uh, leading into your story, Gemma, Michelle Wu, the mayor of Boston in America, Michelle Wu says she wants to hold a party this year to celebrate and no whites are allowed. It is to be simply for elected people of color. Is that not racism, or am I misinterpreting this? Is that not a, just about as racist as you can get?
2: Well, on the one hand, yes, but on the other hand, well, I think her assistant's facing a bit of an unhappy Christmas for sending that group mm. email <laughs> for a start. Um, it, I don't know if she. Well, it's wants like to have us a party. saying no blacks.
1: Let's say we had a TNT party this year. Okay, we had a TNT party. We said we don't want anybody except whites there. Is that not racist?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. Then if
1: they say we don't want whites there, then that's racist. You know, how how else do you look at that?
2: Because uh, because you're yeah, it is a it is a racial decision. It is Mm. a racial decision. It's not saying I'll only invite people I want. Yeah, well, I'll only invite people I want to my party. Everyone's free to invite who they want to their own party, but of course, to base it on skin colour opens a huge can of worms, doesn't it? Huge can of worms.
1: It's the thing. I mean, like let let me be honest with you, if I had a party at my house, there's a lot of white people I wouldn't invite here either. But that's not because I'm a racist, it's because I you know, have a beef with this person. I don't want that person in my house. But if I was to issue an open invite for people to come if they were, in this case, it was elected people, okay, elected people, but they had to be elected people of color. So if you were elected, it's not enough. You have to be elected and of color. That's when it becomes uh, racist. And it's the same principle. If you it, The best way to judge this is to flip it on its head, okay? So if the same email had to came out from a white, Person, So Johnny, Johnny Brown had sent this out as the mayor of Boston and said, okay, I want to hold a party this year and I don't want any people there that aren't white. My God, can you imagine uh, the amount of furore that would have been kicked up over that? But you simply turn the tables and, you know, the principles the same, but of course, because it's coming from Michelle Wu rather than uh, Michelle brown or michelle monet you know the white scottish uh, baroness who's making hundreds of millions of ppe contracts well then it seems to slide a little bit uh, in the other direction but i don't want to digress too far away from uh, the story that you have for us here which is actually strangely enough a white woman uh, head of Viva, who is uh cracking the whip when it comes to selection of white men in her organization what's this one all about
2: Well, when I initially saw this story, I did have a similar reaction. I thought, oh, you know, it's a diversity drive, it's quotas, it's targets. She wants to kind of mix up the workforce a bit regardless of the skill set. But then I dug into this story and I'm flipping it on its head now. And I know that you used to work in the financial industry. So I'd be extremely interested to hear your opinion of what she is saying. So at the moment, there's a hearing at the Treasury Select Committee um, about sexism in the financial world. And Amanda Blanc, who's the chief executive of Aviva, one of the biggest financial institutions here in the UK with 22,000 staff, she heads up the UK division. She's the first ever female chief executive of Aviva, and she was appointed in 2020. Uh, And she's been giving evidence about sexism in the industry, which she says as she's got further up. Uh, Her positions further on in her career, the sexism and misogyny she's encountered and the behaviour she's encountered on the trading floor has got worse. Now, this uh, hearing has been called um, and it's in its third day of public hearing now. A lot of evidence has actually been given behind closed doors in privacy because a lot of women have spoken out, but they're worried about the repercussions. Um, But this Mm -hmm. is the last review into sexism in the city, as they're calling it, was held in 2018. We're now in 2023, nearly 2024. And the whole purpose of the hearing is to say have things got any better and the picture it's painting of the financial industry is quite an horrendous one. A lot of MPs saying they're shocked at the evidence they've heard from various women, bullying, harassment, sexual assault, people being followed to their hotel rooms, people being told that their pregnancies are inconvenient for the banks and the, and the firms um, and lots of evidence as I say has been given in private sessions but Amanda Blanc has stepped up and she's defending her decision to um, with senior hirings mm-hmm. she's saying I want to make sure that recruitment is done properly I don't want jobs for the boys I don't want people phoning up their mates mm-hmm. they went to school with saying there's a free, there's a job come over we'll sort it out for you it's got to be done properly um, I just want to kind of recount some of the anecdotes that she gives in this hearing and see if mm-hmm. this tallies with anything you experienced Rick uh-huh. but she says at last year's FTSE 100 companies annual general meeting of which obviously Aviva is one of those companies one of the investors said you're not the man for the job Another investor said, shouldn't you be wearing trousers? And mm. another shareholder said, well, female directors are so good at basic housekeeping, I'm sure this will be reflected in the way the board goes. Um, she was also, interestingly, chair of Welsh Rugby Union between 2019 and 2021. She resigned, citing misogyny there as well, uh, and allegedly a member there said, women should know their place in the kitchen, stick to the ironing, men are the master race. Now, mm. I, would, I am praying that that is a joke, Rick. I'm praying that that is a joke, but I don't think it is. So this hearing is ongoing. And she says since she gave her evidence publicly, she's received emails and correspondence from women right across the city um, who have all had terrible experiences Mm. at the hands of the the financial industry. Um, In 2019, Lloyds of London was forced to make some changes after horrendous reports of drinking and sexual harassment um, and Lloyd's only allowed women onto the trading floor in 1973. So we know women are pretty new to the financial industry. So I, when I first read it, I thought, oh, no, not diversity quotas. We can't have this. But now I actually am applauding this woman and I think, You know, you have a daughter, I'm sure you Mm -hmm. wouldn't expect that level of treatment for her when she enters the workplace. Um, I myself in my career have seen jobs for the boys. I have seen it not recently, but when I first started out in my 20s, I'm now in my 50s. I did see that kind of thing. Um, and I think she's to be applauded. She stood on the public stage. She is taking down and trying to change, which is we're all trying to do. We're trying to break these old institutions and their stranglehold and sexism and sexual harassment. I mean, being followed to your hotel room on a business conference, I would be terrified. Um, so yeah, good for her. Amanda Blanc, chief executive of Aviva. This is one diversity quota I will personally get behind.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I have the, my big issue with diversity quotas in this. The best person for any job should be given a job, irrespective of their race, age, gender, or sexual orientation. So my experience in banking was it was a predominantly male. Uh, financial advising sales force. Okay, but we got the job done. And my sales manager, Gemma, let me tell you this, didn't give a damn if I was gay or straight, black or white, male or female. All he wanted at the end of the day was the figures. And he didn't care how I got them or where I got them from. And if I didn't get them, he would have sucked my ass as quick as you could say, get the hell out of here. Okay, so his business or his job depended on the productivity of the people that were working for him. And he, d- he wouldn't have cared if it was completely women working for him. All men, a 50-50 split, you know, 50% gay, 50% straight. For me, the best person should always get the job. However, tying in with what you've just said, unfortunately, that also applies against women, that the best women person for the job could be a woman, but because there's some kind of chauvinistic, misogynistic uh, old boys network in place, and that's usually the case with old banking institutions and certain other types of occupation, sometimes the best candidate is a woman and she doesn't get the job or when she does get the job, then she's harassed and almost uh, hounded out of that position by sad, tragic men. And there's nothing I despise more than anyone. When you go to work, Okay. You're working for TNT and so am I. I like to come in and work in a professional environment. People are judging you, criticizing you, whinging about what you're doing because of where you're from and one thing and another. It's a good place to work. But if you're working in that environment and it's, you know, it's coming from a group of sad, tragic old men, it makes, it just makes me cringe to be quite frank with you. It's a, it's an embarrassment uh, to men, real men out there who don't give people jobs based on merit or real women out there. Don't do it because, listen, let me tell you this uh, the banking industry was predominantly. Uh, males who were giving each other jobs and usually it wasn't the best person got the job it was an old boys network type thing but the last organization I was in which was uh, a large government organization was the opposite direction it seems to be the vast majority of positions there went to women whether or not they were capable of it or not and most of the managers in the department that I worked in were females. some of them very very good some of them were an absolute uh, liability an absolute public liability but they kept promoting jobs to other women so it does cut both ways But I think the pendulum definitely swings in favour of male domination in various industries, which I think is wrong. I think everyone should be given a fair crack at the whip and the job should always go to the best candidate. And if it's an entire group of females doing the job, well then let that be the case. Or if it's an entire group of males that are competent, let that be the case or wherever it falls in between that. But she said... I uh, hear that, uh, she told the parliamentary committee, there's no non-diverse hair at Aviva without it being signed off by me and the chief people officer, which means that if it's a diverse hair, in her opinion, it's good. But if it's a non-diverse hair, she has to give it the rubber stamp. So I know where she's coming from, but at the same time, again, that's uh, categorizing, okay, well, Rick's white and he's a man. He doesn't fit the non-diverse uh, mold. So uh, we have to scrutinize him extra hard you know, there's questions to be asked around that one too. I don't, know, I don't know if that answers your question or not. But yeah, it's a, it's a mess out there, and I think it's disgusting uh, the way women have been treated in the workforce over years. But now it, it, it is swinging the other way a little bit. But yeah, she's got a point. Has uh, Amanda, Amanda Blanc, the chief executive of Aviva? She has indeed,
2: and I now. just. Th- I just—I was going to say—I just think it's another example of these big institutions that have dominated. We know, the police have come under criticism. We're seeing the police as they really are—they're not there to protect mm-hmm. us—and there's a lot of bad apples. Same in the banking, same in the media. Yeah. It's the it's the old is being destroyed, you know, and the new is coming up. And and this male-female balance—I've talked about it before—the rise of the divine feminine. We could go all esoteric. I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. But yeah, I think it's don't. indicative of that. I think, but anyway, but I'll shut up now, Rick. I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, we well, haven't
3: got
1: time to go into the rise of the divine feminine right now. But actually, strangely enough, we have a great female guest coming on now. She's absolutely wonderful, and I love her to bits. Her name is Karen Hunt, and she's beaming in from uh, Los Angeles. So uh, if you're listening in, stay tuned. That was a great story. By the way, so much did they say, Miss. We could have done a full hour on that one at least, Gemma. But unfortunately, we don't have the time to go into any more details as per right now. Maybe pick that up again uh, at another time or with another story on the same theme. But for now, thank you very much as always. And I'll be right back after this short break here on TNT Radio. TNT
0: Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit because of immigration. I voted because of democracy. But millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want
4: and vote for.
0: The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio
4: TNT. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren, the water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, Visit nature.org today. We don't rock. Rock. We talk. talk.
0: Today's News Talk. TNT Radio
1: okay let's get the job done it is Thursday the 14th of December 2023 uh, I'm Rick Munn this is Locked and Loaded TNT Radio Live beaming out of the Gold Coast in Australia I'm super happy to be joined again by my old sparring partner uh, in the in the literal sense of course none other than Karen Hunt aka K.H. Mezic. she is beaming in like an absolute legend that she is from Los Angeles it's about probably 2 o'clock in the morning right now she's a little bit concerned she says I hope I look okay you know <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, very late at night and I uh, tried to reassure her by telling her that uh, my hobo look, my hobo-esque look, I try and make my guests look even better than they already are just using me as a uh, benchmark. So Karen, you look wonderful and hopefully you're feeling okay and you're ready to get this done. What say ye?
3: I'm ready. That's why I love you. <laughs> you make us, You make me look a little better. No, you look great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: No, it's a pleasure. You and I have been talking for quite some time now uh, on TNT Radio, going right back to the start of the station, which, believe it or not, uh, is almost two years now, Karen, and of course, we've seen a lot of uh, water pass under the bridge since then. For anyone that isn't familiar with here. Your- with you or don't know who you are, Uh, Karen, in her own words, uh, this is taken from her Substack page, which I encourage everybody to subscribe to. She's a very, very prolific writer. Not only does she produce essays, but she also narrates those essays as well, that people can listen to them uh, in her lovely voice as well. But she describes herself as a writer, an artist, and a kickboxer uh, who started the first boxing club for girls in Luxor in Egypt. Uh, She writes about the big picture through a personal lens. Exposing the lies of the media. Trust in God. Be fearless. No surrender. Those are my kind of words. There. So that's uh, Karen's Substack page, which you can find at Break Free, isn't it? Break Free with Karen Hunt. That's the title of your Substack page. Is that yes, correct? Yes,
3: that's correct. Yeah. Yes, I have far right, too what? many names. Karen Hunt, K. H. Majak, but my K. H. Majak is more for my, um, like a, my children's books or my. My my like uh, fiction books, and then my Karen Hunt is for my more serious books or, or mm-hmm. my more serious writing. <laughs> I don't think okay. I ever explained that before.
1: <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, you didn't, and it is it does get me a little bit confused even from time to time. <laughs> but the most important thing is that uh, use your uh, Substack page as a hub, really, and from there you can branch out and uh, experience uh, some of the things that Karen has been producing. So it's at Break Free with Karen Hunt, which is all one. Big word at Break Free with Karen Hunt. That's how to connect with you on Substack. So uh, before we uh, get into things proper, uh, we've got to take a little break at around about the half past mark. You've been writing very, very prolifically, as you always do, as you've always done. Uh, You you mentioned it there. You've written children's books in the past. You write extensive long form essays on the Substack page. You've done writing programs uh, with young offenders in the American prison system as well, which is incredible. How powerful or how important is the art of writing just uh, in a few minutes because uh, just want to touch on this on how transformational can it be to people's lives and have we lost the art of putting literal pen to paper uh, instead of typing things out? Have we lost that art of communication Karen? Is it becoming a dying art?
3: That's a great question I'm, and I'm glad you asked me that because I have seen personally the transformation of you know the written word When I worked with youth in um incarcerated youth in Los Angeles, I started a program there called Inside Out Writers, working with actually high risk offenders that were facing life sentences. These were children that were facing life sentences and um, and sitting around the writing table. When you get people together, uh, looking at the, each other face-to-face, looking into each other's eyes, writing their lives. You know, people used to ask me that when I first started this program, this was back in the 1990s, and people said, well, you can't trust those kids. They're gonna lie to you. They're all liars. And I said, you know what, great. Who cares? Let them write. Let them express themselves. Who cares if it's true or it's not true? Let them express themselves. And the amazing thing was, was that they, they started really telling the truth, telling their real stories because nobody had ever listened to their voices before. And now they want to separate people. They want to put everybody in different little boxes so they do not communicate. And that's, and yes, we have definitely lost this art of writing and also of communicating with one another.
1: I think, strangely enough, one of the positives of prison, uh, because I've done a lot of research on, uh, you know, prison and, uh, you know, solitary confinement and even spent some time in African prisons to prison evangelism myself. One of the strange things is that it does develop uh, your ability to communicate better with the people in the environment that you're placed in. And also, because of the amount of time you have in your hands and the lack of other Options uh, to direct your attention away from other things. A lot of prisoners do turn to art, for example, or making things, or uh, th- things that are involved with, uh, you know, creativity or writing, for that matter. A lot of them become involved in, you know, writing, you know, letter exchanges with various people from across the world, or writing their own books, or even becoming versed in law, Karen, and maybe even taking up, uh, you know, time in the law library, uh, you know, getting involved in books and learning the mechanics of the law to maybe fight their own cases. And maybe make their own appeals. so prison as bad an environment as it is it can also be a very positive one for uh, stimulation of creativity
3: yeah i i don't know if you know if, if you've heard of the book shantaram it's one of my favorite books written by gregory david roberts and um he was one. one oh my goodness you should read this mm-hmm. book he it's a story of redemption but he was in prison in um Australia, I think, or New Zealand, and he escaped out of. He was. He was. He was an addict. He escaped out of prison, and he made it all the way to India and had this incredible life. And then he finally gave himself up and went back to prison, and um, and when he was in prison, he started writing this book. And he had a guard that tormented him, and the guard took it took it away when he finished it and he wrote it again. The guard took it away and he wrote it again. He got out of prison and that book became an international bestseller and one time he was signing books and he looked up and there was the guard standing there asking him to sign sign it and saying please forgive me And and this amazing man looked up at him and said no I thank you because if it hadn't been for you you know throwing away those drafts I would never have made this incredible book in the end. And so that's right sort in. of one example of the power of, of, of writing when, when you're in such a confined space and opening your mind. And then right. forgiveness, it was beautiful.
1: Links it both in beautifully. And yeah, again, that's just to kick us off here this morning because I know you're so passionate about writing as well. It's something that I used to be very into but fell away from, but I'm trying to uh, reignite the spark again. So maybe even as a result of our conversation today, that might actually happen. So we're got to take a quick news break now for some headlines. When I come back, I want to look at some of the things that are happening in America, ask you some, get your get your perspective on things and that, and also some of the articles that you've been writing on your Substack page. So please don't go away. Karen and I will continue this conversation after the news here. On TNT Radio. Don't go away.
4: Here's the news.
0: TNT Radio News. News. Matt Boylan here with a look at your TNT headlines. U.S. House Republicans have vowed to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress after he refused to comply with their subpoena, ordering him to testify in a private hearing as part of the House's impeachment investigation into his father. Elon Musk is reportedly opening his own school focused on science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And the US has formally requested military assistance from Australia in response to rising tensions in the Middle East. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one
1: Okay, I'm having a chat this morning with uh, Karen Hunt, who's very kindly agreed uh, to join me at a very ungodly hour of the night in Los Angeles. It's around about 2 a.m. there, I think, and she's going to be with me. And well, it's 2:30 now. It was two when she got up. <laughs> the time it's has passed. The time has passed, <laughs> and uh, another 30, 28 minutes to go before she can go back into the land of naught again. But before <laughs> she does, I want to get her uh, views of what's happening. There was a little news clip played there. Uh, TNT news clip played. Uh, Hunter Biden has surfaced again. Uh, he's trying to shed crocodile tears about his father's love and how it's been darkened and he talks about all sorts of nonsense rambling and on doesn't talk about prostitutes doesn't talk about uh, his laptop doesn't talk about the contents of that doesn't talk about shady business deals doesn't talk about cocaine addiction or anything else just about love that daddy has for him uh, The the uh, dynasty, uh, if you want to call it that, or crime family, as some people would refer to it as, surely must be on its last legs now. Karen, as we go into twenty twenty four, with all the scandal around uh, Hunter and the, the 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 no chance that Biden will be reelected if he even makes it to the next election in America. What way do you see things panning out for the Bidens over the short term? Well, you know, we've
3: seen this. Before, uh, I mean, we've got Hunter Biden being sort of vilified, probably to take the focus now off of his father. You know, the the worse it gets for his dad, the more they're, they're going to try and sacrifice the son. Um, and then we have, of course, the impeachment the, uh, of of uh, of his father uh, coming up. But but these things. Does anything really ever come of, of them? There's a lot of you know big talk, a lot of media about it. On one side, on the other side, they sort of try to minimize it. So I don't really know, you know, honestly, what great you know what what great illumination will come out of this. I, I think people are so entrenched in their positions by this point that I don't think it really matters what surfaces on either side, they just don't believe it or they don't listen to it. Um, but that's a good question about Biden on his last leg and being able to actually uh, run again. I mean, I honestly, it, it's so hard to know could it be Newsom coming in, you know, Gavin Newsom from California, it, waiting in the wings to fly in and save the day? Um, that would be very interesting. Uh, you know, there's so much speculation about it. Um... Uh, Biden has been great. He, he's just been such a great puppet. So, you know, if they could sort of keep him animated, they'd probably like to do that. I, you know, if, if they could keep him going for another four years, they, I think they'd probably like to do that actually. But it, it kind of depends on if he, if they can, if they can keep injecting him enough, you know, or whatever it is that they, whatever it is that they do to him. Otherwise, you know, it's probably somebody like Newsom is waiting in the wings.
1: I find it hard to believe, I'll be honest with you, as someone from the outside looking into America, you know, the president of the US was always, you know, the figurehead of world leadership, or at least he was supposed to have been, you know, America was the great world superpower and the president of the America was the pinnacle of that. Now what we're seeing is we're seeing America just falling apart, you know, economically, societally, the, the open borders policy, you name it, uh, America's floundering at the minute, the the, the dollar's floundering, the petrodollar, and uh, it could be moving away from that, that would I mean ca- catastrophe coming economically for america and then of course at the at the head of this all now you have this doddering old decrepit man joe biden uh, who's rotten to the core and now of course there's talk about him being impeached as well it's almost like Uh, America, you know, is trying to sabotage itself on the world stage. But as you've alluded to as well, you know, let's face it, there's puppeteers playing him. He's not in charge of America. He's not calling any shots whatsoever. You know, he has cue cards to tell him the names of the reporters he's talking to, or people to direct him uh, off stage. And he's the only man that I've ever seen that can actually fall up a flight of stairs, which is no mean (laughs) feat in and of itself. I mean, that was mind boggling in and of itself. But impeachment as well. Is that not another word, excuse me, that's losing its power to the degree that, you know, the amount of times Trump has been, you know, they've tried to impeach Trump. Now Biden's been impeached prior to that. You know, if I was to say impeachment, you would probably think of Richard Nixon and you would think of Bill Clinton. But aside from those two guys, you know, that was never really something that was brought up with an American president. But now it's almost like a common thing, another impeachment or they want to impeach him for this. It seems to be almost part of the daily vocabulary now.
3: Uh, the problem is is that, and, and I've been saying this for a very long time in my writing, is that they really have wanted to split the country in half. And they've done a very good job of doing that with fighting, in, in fighting. Um, so, you know, first we had the impeachment of Trump. Did that do anything? And now we see Trump, you know, bogged down in these endless um, court cases. Is that doing any, you know, his his popularity just continues to rise, continues to rise and then we have you know the other side so we've got this split between the two and there's so so much hatred on both sides now and wanting to seek revenge on the other side that i kind of have really you know i I wish i could say that one side would be better than the other at this point Mm -hmm. but i'm not even sure because uh, you know whoever gets into power is going to wreak revenge on the other side i I, Mm -hmm. i think and this is and and the people of this country are falling into that trap of, of you know of that hatred and that revenge instead of uniting and coming together to fight the real enemy which is these oligarchs these you know um, uh, these powerful powerful people who are behind all of this. Uh, they, they've did, done a very good job of getting the people to fight amongst themselves and, and that's the problem in the United States
1: well in a way I suppose uh, you know you would give them begrudging respect in that the, the this divide and conquer technique that's you know it's biblical you know house divided against mm-hmm. itself cannot stand and if it's not divided it'll fall and great will be the fall of it that's actually what you're seeing starting to play out or not starting to play it's been playing out for a very very long time in America and across Europe and across uh, you know most parts of the world it's now coming to an end point or it's coming into the end game if it was a game of chess and now we're starting to see it really crumble and I would find it very hard to see how America recovers itself from the position that it's in at the minute with the leadership that it has or even if there is a changing of the guard next year after the next election and republicans get back into the white house you know sometimes you 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 look at a vehicle you know in the insurance industry if there's been a a a car crash sometimes the insurer comes out and said listen this vehicle's a write off it doesn't matter what we do to it it's it's done it's gone you can't really salvage it back from that point Uh, am i being too pessimistic here with regards to america and i'm only just saying that just as an observer here because because obviously you're on the ground you know what's happening is america almost beyond the point of no return and will it take a complete wiping of the slate whatever shape and form that takes before they ever do get back onto their feet again
3: i like to call it the united states of schizophrenia that's what mm-hmm. i call it i wrote a piece with that title a while ago you know sort of seeing how this was playing out um i i i hate i would hate to say that about my own country mm-hmm. but yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's very, very scary. And I don't even like to use that word. I, I you know, I don't want to spread like fear or things like yeah. that. But, but the reality is, is that this country really is, uh, falling apart from the inside out. And, um, and, and I, you know, if, if it would take some sort of a, you know, you even see like on the, among conservatives now, they, you know, with the war <laughs> in the Middle East, um, you see splits amongst them as well, like people who were really on board together with COVID. Now there's another split. So, as I've said many times, they're just splitting people apart into smaller and smaller little, you know, categories. <clears throat> and, um, and, and this type of isolation. I, I mean, I don't even go on, when I go on X, X, Twitter X, uh-huh. I really have to kind of prepare myself. I feel that it's a very dark place, uh-huh. and um, and I, you know, to interact there is very difficult. It's, it's, it's frightening to me to see the, just the fomenting hatred there, and yeah. I think that place is a good indication of, yeah. you know, of the general <clears throat> well you've got people that are just a lot of people who are just asleep they still want to keep consuming and consuming mm-hmm. and consuming mm-hmm. all in debt to the point where you know if you know on the brink of dis- everybody's on the brink of disaster mm-hmm. in one way or another you know that yeah. that's how it is and um to salvage that mm-hmm. it takes um <laughs> a, a, it takes divine a intervention. power it takes exactly.
1: divine intervention. Divine Let's intervention. be brutally honest about it. Cause <laughs> I mean, you know, I even, can't. even, the, even the hardest critic of, you know, people of faith or whatnot. I mean, like, you, you need to have your head buried in the sand like an ostrich or you need to be insane to think that there's a pullback going to happen from this without an absolute overhaul of society from top to bottom, because it's just rotten to the core. The principles that are being pushed in schools, the practices that are being pushed in schools in universities and law enforcement and every Everything, uh, it's, uh, I'm not just picking law enforcement there, the army, you know, uh, any profession, you like the medical profession, where's the faith in that big pharma, you know, the media, everything, uh, all forms of government and all parties, rancid, disgusting, and absolutely Rotten, clean through mm-hmm. to the core. If this was a, if this was a human body, you know, and we had a leg that had really bad gangrene, okay. Unfortunately, you might not like it, but I would have to say, C- Karen, that leg is not only gangrenous. There's no way it's ever going to recover and be healthy again. And if we don't amputate it, the rest of the body is going to die begrudgingly. You would have to say, take off the leg. So it's the same kind of principle. I think we're in this position where we we'll had to have, we're going to have to have some spiritual surgery going on here, or else. it might body, be the.
3: Br- Brain. <laughs> it,
1: might, it might be the brain uh, if there are any up in between some people. If there's views, anything yeah, left up find there. One. Yeah, yeah that, that's what needs to happen. So yeah, I just wanted to get your take on that one. And I wanted to get it from an American rather than me uh, sitting on the outside looking in. It's your view from the inside maybe looking out as well so we've got to take a quick break if we can and when we come back look at some of the pieces that you've been writing recently get your uh, input on some of them as well so please don't go away this is rick one and karen hunt on tnt radio we'll be right back
5: I tell you folks if these people do what they say they're going to do and what they're going to try to do, the world is in a lot of trouble. I have never seen such a gathering of sanctimonious know-nothings in my life. It makes what happens at the UN, which by the way is part of this, just go out of control, it's like it's on steroids. The biggest hypocrisy is claiming that you're going to do all this for the children of the world, your children and grandchildren. First of all, you are going to subject them to nothing but energy poverty the rest of their life. Secondly, most of these people that are supporting all this fossil fuel ending, also support the termination of human life depending on what a mother wants to do. Now, I'm not going to get into the fact that this is a person's choice, I'm strongly pro-life. But what I am going to say is, When you come out and say to me, I need to save the climate to save the children. And then you advocate for policies that won't even let those children be born. What does that say about what is inside of you? I want you to think about that because there's a common thread in all of this. This is TNT climate and weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.
4: I tell my son, I love you every single day. My dad has never said that to me, not because he doesn't love me, but because culturally it wasn't comfortable for him. Now that he's a grandfather, he says, I love you to my son every time he sees him. My advice to all the fathers out there, forget the cultural restrictions. They grow up way too fast for you to waste even a single precious moment.
0: This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT.
1: Okay, we're just having a a think about what we're going to talk about. Uh, That weather update there by uh, Joe Bastardi says enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Well, I was going to say, Karen, we should be enjoying our governments because they're the only Mm -hmm. governments we have. But then again, uh, is that the case or is there a way to get rid of them? That's maybe a topic for another show here. But uh, you said you were working on a piece actually uh, on climate change. And this is one of these things. Listen, uh, the, the WEF... Uh, made a statement about a month or two ago. I heard this spokes lady saying, you know, the COVID thing is dying a death and the, the big pharma bubble is bursting. People are losing their faith in the medical profession. The uptake for these jobs is nowhere close to what we wanted it to be or what it was when these jobs were first rolled out. So we, we've kind of put that one to the side. And then she went on to talk about climate change. She said, you know, it's too. Uh, technical for a lot of people to get their heads around it's too nuanced and there's too many conflicting stories coming out there's too many people on the internet uh, contradicting what we're saying we're finding it hard for that one to bed down and then she mentioned a water crisis she said when the water crisis comes people will understand that and understand it quickly because if you don't have water for two or three days you know all about it there's no science involved in that so do you think Uh, And we've just come to the end of COP28, which was happening in Dubai, of all places, uh, over the last week or so. COP28, you know, it doesn't seem like so long. It was COP27, COP26. They're still banging on this COP drum. Are they flogging a dead horse with that one? Can you see it going the way? Of COVID, even though I know they're still pushing for EVs, I know they're still pushing to eradicate hydrocarbons or fossil fuels. I know they're trying to do all that. You think they're going to succeed with the climate thing, or is it going to be a damp squib in the long run?
3: Well, I mean, if you say in the long run to succeed with climate change, what does that? Mean? I mean, no, they they can't succeed with it. I mean. I have a okay so I'm working on this piece and there's a story that this woman this Chinese woman told of when Mao was in power and um and he said you know man hasn't uh, god didn't do a good enough job we need to improve on that you mm-hmm. know so he said uh, and, and they had a problem with the crops with birds killing the crops you know so all the people went out into the fields and beat away the birds. What a great idea, right? We're gonna beat Mm -hmm. away the birds so they won't, you know, eat all the crops. And the crops grew, flourished and they grew and everybody said, wow, fantastic. What a great idea. Well, then when it came time to harvest, the locusts came in in swarms and ate mm-hmm. everything and the people starved. You know, this is what continually man does. <laughs> we yeah. can improve. We can do better. It, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's medicine, if it's climate, if it, you know, whatever it is, we're going to do better. We know better. You know, we're Going to um, put a million, you know, uh, how many satellites can they put into space? I'm not a scientist. I'm. It's not that complicated to me to know what you know, this is going to be a huge big problem for this planet. Mm-hmm. They are creating the, a crisis. Um, but but they don't care, actually, that they're creating a crisis because they think that they can improve by, you know, mm-hmm. going, going through these things. They think that they can improve on what's already here. So, um, you know, so like, so when, you know, Bill Gates says, well, we need to um, uh, genetically alter mosquitoes. <laughs> does he not, is he not thinking that maybe genetically altering mosquitoes uh, might cause another problem? Mm-hmm. or genetically altering humans or w- whatever it is you know um dimming the sun or you know or oh oh then the, the latest thing is we're going to capture all the carbon <laughs> we're gonna bury it in the earth in these great cases that aren't you know that where it's gonna stay mm-hmm. there you know these these are really like it, 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 it's in it's a kind of insanity I mean yeah, what I mean, do they I'm, do when you know, they
1: capture carbon? You know, this whole business of carbon <laughs> capture, they, they, they're building these this technology to capture carbon. How do you capture carbon? And then when you've captured it, what do you actually do with it? Do you, do you, do you, do you contain it for, forever? Yeah. Or do you, put, yeah. as oh, you yes, say, so bury it in a capsule it underground? Yeah. Right. What yeah, a great, great idea, right? Style. Yeah.
3: Why don't we just live in harmony with our planet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's already, it, you know, this planet is perfectly balanced you know Correct. and so all that we're doing is just is just messing it up so so yeah so that's that's what i you know I, I sort of make try to make things as simple as possible um and you know it's funny that they would say oh it's too complex you know and, and that's exactly what they said also with you know they say that uh, the, you know science you know, the scientists know better than you. Everybody knows better than you. And um, don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your, com- yes, rely on your common sense. God gave uh-huh. you your common sense for a reason. You know, uh-huh. you don't have to be a huge big uh, scientist uh, with a million degrees. As we've seen <laughs> what's happening with our high, higher learning institutions in the United States, um, people are getting the wake up call about that. You know, um, so ordinary people need to use their own god-given common sense and and figure these things out yeah
2: and
1: unfortunately it almost goes back to the prison thing when you strip everybody's uh distractions away which is very much what happens in prison and you put people back in their people-centric environment which again is what a prison <laughs> is and you remove all internet access and you remove access to everything that you could do that could distract you from getting stuff done in other parts of your life, you do end up resorting back to uh, communication face-to-face with people, writing things down, becoming art, reaching out to people, building relationships again. These are the things that we need if we're going to turn this around, but because of the environment and the climate that we're in, especially with uh, technology these days, it's becoming increasingly harder to do that. You touched on uh, institutions there. Uh, one place that you had highlighted uh, recently was Harvard University, which was quite incredible. You said that the the. Birth for that place is the equivalent of uh, 110 countries are of the poorest countries in the world. 120, sorry, uh, which is about $50 billion. How on earth mm-hmm. does an, uh, an institution like Harvard, just one institution in America, attract so much attention? And if so, what is that 50 billion buying effectively? Because it's not providing for accommodation. You're, we're talking about buying influence here and uh, buying a uh, sway here, which is why people generally donate to universities. So what is that? What's that 50 billion investment getting back in return for the people making it?
3: Obviously not what some of them thought they were getting out of it, and people say, well, you know, for the people who are, you know, withdrawing their money now, these are uh, uh, Jewish people who are appalled by the stance that, that the presidents of these like three Universities were taking, and it sort of highlighted that uh, what's going on and the anti semit, the rise of anti semitism, and so they have every right to, of course, withdraw um, what their funding if they if they find that offensive, and people seem to think that they they shouldn't be able to do that, um, but they can. But what this has bought. Ha- obviously for years upon years upon years has been indoctrination of Mm -hmm. our most influential, you know, the the young people who are going to end up running the country, who are going to end up um, being the CEOs of companies, uh, the scientists, you know, um, the the research, you know, these influential people, these Mm -hmm. are the people that they are are indoctrinating and taking away their, uh, the worst of it is, is that they take away their ability for critical things. Thinking, they take mm-hmm. away their. Um, you know, when I was in school, the big thing was to you, you, to ask questions. You're supposed to ask questions. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to question things. But now there is a narrative that, and it's very clear what the narrative is, and 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 you need to agree with that narrative if you want to get ahead, if you want if you want to be successful. It's very very clear what you need to do, and that's what that's what's been going on in these in these universities. I always say there's nothing as dangerous as an arrogant intellectual or an arrogant (laughs) academic, (laughs) you know, because they really live in an ivory tower Mm. and they really believe that that they can dictate and that they really do know best. And and
1: and would it be fair to summarize then, you know, just listening to you talk effectively what that 50 million uh, bursary is doing, it's buying future Control, future control, because obviously when someone goes through the doors uh, on day one of Harvard or whatever institution that it is, you know, they they look upon them as a blank canvas upon which they will push their ideologies. Then they'll graduate, they'll go right into the workplace, they'll become CEOs. So they're they're really sowing the seeds proper when they come through the doors and ultimately they're hoping to reap that investment maybe in uh, 10 or 15 years later when that student has graduated went through the workplace and then for example becomes the CEO of Pfizer or the CEO of uh, you know Johnson and Johnson whatever company it happens to be or corporation happens to be they're effectively investing in buying future control or uh, retaining future control because of course they've been investing for a very very long time
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And most people are bought <laughs> or mm-hmm. um, blackmailed or, you mm-hmm. know, the higher you go up on the ladder, the more you ha- must compromise your integrity, you know, at the its little steps and you and you can justify it to yourself. Well, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to um, compromise myself this a little bit so that I can do some good over here that type of thing so people who go through these institutions that, you know they want to succeed they're ambitious and they know that they have to do certain things in order to do that but in the end these people are also they are controlled you know they mm-hmm. and and they they don't want you know most people even the very very successful people they are also controlled. You know, they they don't want, you know, the people at the very, very top are going to keep very good control and make sure that nobody goes too far above where they think that they should be. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it is all about control, but it's control from the very, very top and everybody has to stay in their place where they belong. You know, for somebody like, uh, for somebody, even if you're very, if you come from a very wealthy background, it's not any different from coming from, a, you know, a gang, let's say, or something on the street, you know what you have to do to rise up in that environment. And it's very, very hard to go against the environment that you were raised in. It takes a lot of courage and most people won't do that, no matter where they've been placed.
1: And if you do, it's also worth noting, uh, if you do go against gang leadership, unless you go into some kind of protection program within a prison system, it's a fair statement to say that you're going to be offed or you're going to be assassinated or you're going to be brutally murdered as a message to any other people that made dissent. And of course, you know, that's no stranger to, uh, you know, politics, Uh, people that rise too far above their station or go against the company line have been known to disappear or have funny accidents. You look at the Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton Christmas cards card list over the last 20 years, (laughs) and it has shrunk as something shocking, uh, simply because of who knows what. Maybe they've all died of natural causes, or maybe there's something more sinister involved. I don't know. Karen, believe it or not, listen, can't believe it, we've only got a minute left. Uh, Speaking of Christmas card lists as well, by the way, I probably won't see you again until the New Year, so have an absolutely epic Christmas over there in California, just to keep people right again. Please follow Karen on her Substack page, which is Break Free with Karen Hunt. That's all one word. Or if you're using the X platform, which I know some of you still do, uh, you can find her at Karen Aline, A-L-I-N-E. That's another one of her aliases, <laughs> by the way. Hunt <laughs> on the X platform. So I like listen. To keep uh, people
3: confused. Oh, you do. You're doing at, a fun, I'm not very you're doing good a, at self promotion, I guess. <laughs> you're
1: doing a fantastic job of confusing us, but listen, it's all good. So please link up with Karen and thank you so much uh, for joining me. Uh, you can get off to sleep now. And our listeners, <laughs> please stay tuned for James Freeman. I'm Rick Mon. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. with Natalie. Please don't go away. Stay tuned to the one and only TNT. Team radio.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye.